3: SiriusXM Channel 159. Thanks, Ian Cameron, for joining us talking XFL football and more. But uh, I got to tell you, this is the best. This is the best rosters that the XFL has ever had before. This is the third incarnation of the league, and, and we should note about the XFL. It's not a failed league. All right, the first time. Was many years ago in the in, you know, in the Vince McMahon league, and it was like basically Vince McMahon created this Extreme Football League XFL. It was super cool. The ratings were sustainable. It only lasted a year because of television contracts. Basically, Vince McMahon had a great relationship with NBC. Right? Any old school wrestling fan remembers the great Saturday night main events. And so Vince had a good relationship with NBC and NBC Sports. Don Olmeyer was the, uh, the president. And Don was down with Vince's idea, all right, to create a new football league. And don't forget, the NBC did not have the rights to the National Football League. And what happened was the XFL actually created a, it was a pop culture phenomenon. You know, did it get massive ratings? No. All right? Did the numbers dip as the year went on? Yes. But, you know, the, the you know, basically he hate me was born from the XFL. Right. And people it was crazy, but like they, they didn't have a kickoff, bro. They used to put the ball at on a 50-yard line and one guy from each team would stand on the 40, Matthias, and they would run and who they would fight for the ball. <laughs> and it was a good idea until someone broke their neck, which actually happened. Or just broke his collarbone. Like, it, like watching it was like, someone's going to get hurt doing this. And they did. Right? So, they eventually did. So, they stopped that. But people, people, like, had a hard time grasping it. Oh, the wrestling guy starting a football league. I said at the time it should have been more wrestling-like. Right? There wasn't enough wrestling in it. That was the problem. Because it was football, but Vince wanted it to be legit when it could have been legit football and wrestling. If I was in the room with Vince, I would have said, listen, the football part is good, but let's have like fights break out like on the sideline and let's have like wrestlers fight in the stands and stuff. So you'll get wrestling fans to tune in as well. They'll be forced to watch because they won't know if Stone Cold Steve Austin's going to be in the stands beating up Razor Ramon or whatever. Right. And I, that was a brilliant idea. I thought my idea would have worked. You know, wrestling and football, you got a football game going on in the field and it, you sort of set it up like right before half. And, oh, my God, as we're going to halftime, oh, look, there's Razor Ramon in Section 314, right? And boom, 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 he's going at it. You, oh, my God, it turns into, like, a three little five-minute wrestling thing, and we'll be back with the second half of football. It would have worked. They went legit. It worked. They pulled the plug because the NFL told NBC, if you want the rights back, you can't have be in business with the XFL. The The, 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 the NFL wasn't a fan of the XFL, so they shut it down. Right, and, and Vince was like, yeah, whatever, it's too much work, and I only was doing this because I had an easy deal, and I had, a, I had a network television deal. So they pulled the plug. Last time it came back, it was successful. It was working, but the stupid pandemic hit. I was at the last game in New York. Level three. This is Sports Rage. I am Gabriel Morantzi. The pimps, the players, the hustlers, the people above them, and everybody else in between. This is Sports Rage. Sports Grid Radio Networks. Shout out to all of our AM radio affiliates wherever you may be uh, this evening, including in beautiful Southern California. Um, we were just, of course, in uh, in Phoenix a couple of days ago, and I want to go back already because they've got the World Baseball Classic opening round. It's one of these deals. My worlds are colliding but the raptors are playing the lakers and uh, the raptors only only play at the crypt once a year and uh i'm already locked in and it's basically the same time as this world baseball classic and i'm thinking actually crossed my mind i'm like well, i could like not go to the basketball game and go to phoenix and watch a bunch of baseball games but When push comes to shove, I'm going to go to the basketball and just watch the damn baseball on TV. (laughs) That's what I'm going to do. There'll be enough room for baseball. It's only the opening round. Do I really need to see USA and Mexico opening game of the tournament? Yes, I do. Dude, Canada are playing uh, Great Britain, uh, like one in the afternoon um, on the Sunday in Phoenix, and then USA play Mexico that night. So you get a doubleheader, Canada, UK, Mexico. And, uh, and 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 the U.S., Mexico, United States, going to be off the hook in Phoenix, and, and and then Monday night is Canada and the United States uh in Phoenix. That's in a couple of weeks. So, countdown to kickoff is on. XFL is back, and for those of you just joining us on the AM radio fields, we'll, so we'll get back into some picks and stuff. If you know you don't want to bet on the XFL and you're not down with the XFL, then you know what. This might not be the show for you, actually, over the next, like, two and a half months. Because we are going to talk a lot about the XFL because we love football. I say this, but, you know, there's a difference between, like, with fans and stuff. People say, you know, oh, I like MMA. Do you? Or do you like the UFC? There's nothing wrong with that. But... You know what I mean? There's some people that like Conor McGregor fights and Colby Covington and when there's Smack Talk and it's Flash and Brock Lesnar. And there's others that like the Volkanovskis and the Islam fights and, you know, the real MMA purist stuff. People say, oh, I'm a big football fan. Yeah, do you watch the XFL? Do you watch the USFL? Do you watch the CFL? Do you watch the Alliance League? Oh, no. Well, no, you're an NFL fan.
0: Producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
1: Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts.
3: Halfback passes to the center. Back to the wing. Back to the center.
2: Center holds it. Holds it. Holds it. Halfback passes to center. Back to wing. Back to center. Center holds it. Holds it. Holds it. I can't bear this any longer. I'm leaving.
3: That anger man for class this is Sports Rage. Uh, guys, in our chat, we're talking about Tommy Maddox. We're talking about he hate me. Yeah, Tommy Maddox. Uh, of course, Denver Broncos, Pittsburgh Steelers. Tommy Maddox won the XFL championship, the million dollar game. Who, who, who? The X is for extreme. Tommy Maddox won that game. And Degenerate Dean said he sent me the XFL clip from The Simpsons the other day. The other one that I couldn't find. I didn't see the tweet. If you can send it again, I'd appreciate it. Somebody on Twitter just sent me some sort of link, but it wasn't the video. I appreciate that, though. Thank you very much, everybody. Um, I was thinking of um of of Jermaine Copeland. Jermaine Copeland is one. Jermaine Copeland has won in all the leagues. Except I was under the impression I thought he got a Super Bowl ring But he didn't He was on He got caught He was on the pre, You know what I mean He was in and out With the Cowboys type of deal But yeah Jermaine Copeland XFL champion Great cup champion National champion In football College football You know that's, that's the type of guy You want on your team He was on The Tennessee Volunteers When they won The national championship He was on the uh, L.A. Extreme with Tommy Maddox when they won the XFL. And then after he went to the CFL, where he had a long career with the Montreal Alouettes, and I got to know him. So, yeah, multiple rings in these leagues. So, yeah, as far as the XFL, there's a 30-for-30 on the XFL, but the XFL has always sort of been misunderstood. And I always thought the first rendition of the XFL should have been more wrestling-like. You know, like people, it was basically, they were in nowhere's land, man, right? Hard, pure, Hardcore football fans were like the XFL, you know, what the hell, extreme football league, and Vince came out the extreme football league, it's going to make the NFL look like sissy stuff, and right, and he had that crazy no kickoff, and they were fighting for the ball, and, and a lot of like pure football fans thought it was a gimmick. Other leagues have always had a hard time succeeding in American football. The USFL, the original incarnation, is really the only league that ever really sort of got anything really going with, like, competition big time. The CFL doesn't count because it's, you know, it's the Canadian Football League. But the Canadian Football League has been the most successful league in, in, in the history of football besides the NFL. Right, I mean, the CFL's been playing, they've been playing football for 148 years, so they've lasted, right, <laughs> so, right, they've, they've proven that, but as far as the XFL is concerned, I thought the first time around, because wrestling fans and football, it would have been a nice mix, I thought, like, you know what I mean, have, like, really sexy, scantily clad cheerleaders, just sleaze it up, Monday Night Raw style, hey, they're sunny, right, like, whatever, have, like, the football game, but then... As you're going to a commercial break to tease people, go, oh my God, Stone Cold Steve Austin's beating up, you know, uh, Shawn Michaels at a concession stand in beer. You can write skits in. See, I'm a genius. I would write it myself. I'd be like, oh, listen, we'll have the game, but when we go to the commercial break, we'll go cut to a beer line and have Shawn Michaels cut in front of Stone Cold Steve Austin in, in the line, and then have them like start a fight and stuff. Have a couple of minutes of the wrestling, go to the half. Say, all right, we'll be back with a second half of the football game type thing. And, and you would add wrestling fans but wrestling fans got, got all excited because they thought it would be more WWE-ish and it wasn't, it was just a football league with a lot of weird rules that no one ever saw before and Jesse Ventura was the analyst who I'm a big fan of love Jesse the body um, love, love, big big Jesse fan and uh, but it wasn't this big failure, people all like failed and stuff Vince McMahon lost like 2 million dollars which is like pocket change to him and guys dropped like, you know Ten times that in you know allegedly you know you know what I'm saying. So uh, it actually was a success. The last time the XFL came back, it was once again a success. I was going to games in New York. I was going to New York Guardian games, and it was a good time. The ratings were solid enough. The football was high quality enough. And then the freaking pandemic hit, and it shut the league down again. Right? It was like okay, that's it. You know that it's over. Right, what do you And then The Rock now has come along, but one thing that The Rock has done correctly and smartly, sort of like Tom Brady, not rushing into the, um, you know, you figure Tom should do it. He's got time to prepare. But Tom Brady says, Nah, I gotta. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be an analyst. I gotta do. Be good at it. I'm gonna prepare for this, and I'll be ready in 2024. The Rock never rushed this. Even me was like, Come on, dude. Like, how long is this gonna take to launch this league? Right when it rocked, it was like two and two and a half years, whatever but he was patient he wanted to do it right and build it right get the television deals get the you know the training facility get the schedules like get the right players don't rush this get it right and i gotta tip my cap to the rock great job assembling the rosters you've gotten you know basically when people people are jackasses as i was saying earlier you know what i mean matthias yeah there's mma fans and there's ufc fans you know what i'm saying There's people that like jujitsu and Muay Thai and, you know, wrestling and, right? Like, they like all the aspects of the sport. There's other people that just like the tattoos and, you know, the ring girls and, you know, hey, stand them up, stand them up, right? There's, you know... So these leagues, if you're into this stuff, you know this stuff. Well, you know what I'm talking about. In other words, I'm talking to you, Orange County, whenever there's a card in Anaheim. <laughs>
6: That's so funny. I love how you said, stand him up, stand him up. Because when we go to an MMA fight, and we, we, when we see some good jiu on the mat or some good grappling. Oh, it could be back. the best ever. Oh, yeah. And then
3: we hear the people. Hoy's the mat, Gracie could come back, up. Matthias. They would be yelling, this guy sucks. He's boring. <laughs>
6: oh, yeah, man. No, no, you make a great point. Yeah, you're right. There is UFC fans and there's definitely MMA fans and, and you know what? They're they're all over the place. And the UFC has grown tremendously, Gabe, which is crazy. And I still don't understand how you could love the how, how you could love the UFC and not pretty much love all MMA because we actually see more knockouts in other MMA promotions. So, you know
3: <laughs> it's just the way that it goes. Well, people people get built into one brand and then that brand owns things, right? Like people think, oh, football season's over. Well, it's not over. And you even have the USFL coming up in a, in a, in a, in a couple of months as well. And then the CFL, right? And it's all going to be on TV and you can bet on it all. But I've always been fascinated by the XFL. So I was going to the games. People, you know, it was doing well enough on TV and then the pandemic hit. So The Rock has waited. He's been patient. Yet he's really done a nice job. So as I was saying, the average fan... People like us, if you're tuning into the show, not everybody even, but the average, you know, fan doesn't know all these guys like we do, right? I'm like, oh, Luis Perez. Oh, yeah, Tex A&M Commerce. Yeah, yeah, he played for this team and that team and, yeah, yeah, old Kyle Slaughter, right? Like, right? The average people don't know that and then they look down on it right away. Well, I've never heard of this guy, right? Uh, oh, this guy sucks or whatever. Like, well, he's not in the NFL. Yeah, whatever, dude. There's nearly 400 million people in the country. There's only, uh, you know, 92, 99, 90, 96 quarterbacks in the NFL, right? And a lot of the, there's a lot of guys that are in, in the NFL that shouldn't be, and there's a lot of guys that aren't in the NFL that should be. All you need to know: Kurt Warner, the great Kurt Warner, Hall of Famer, got cut by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers <laughs> before he was on the Rams, right? like, like, literally right before. Like, think about that. I almost I'd fire the guy to cut him personally, but <laughs> um, yeah, Kurt Warner tried out. remember Kurt Warner was in the Arena League in Iowa and stuff. And he wanted out, you know. He wanted to grow, the, you know, climb the ranks. And he played for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and he tried to play for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. One thing about The Rock, too. We got a break coming up here, and uh, we've got Shane Shay going to join us. But for those of you that don't know the story, The Rock actually was a football player. Well, you know, he's a football player, but he played in Miami. But he wanted to be a pro football player, and he was. He, he played for the Calgary Stampede. He's going to play for the Stampeders. Wally Bono, the head coach, told him. Listen, you're going to make the team, or you're going to be a backup, or you're going to play on special teams. He said, you should be a wrestler instead. This is SportsRage. Bring it. Shane McNichol was in Arizona as well steps up and in to throw it down with us Shane always a pleasure how you doing thanks a lot for taking the time to be with us thanks no
4: I appreciate the invite
3: so you've had a couple of days now to decompress after the uh, the Philadelphia Eagles uh, loss and I never really realized that like I don't know like 92 percent of people in the media are Philadelphia Eagle fans and you you were one of
4: them what did you think uh, of Sunday's game yeah, tough loss. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're an Eagles fan, you're walking away with your your head held kind of high, um, happy with the way Hurts played aside from one play that really swung the momentum. Um, but other than that, I mean, you, you're just hoping for a defensive stop. And um, it certainly didn't come in the second half. Um, I certainly don't think there's a ton of Eagles fans who are currently uh, upset that their defensive coordinator is leaving, but he did do a great job this year, um, led the league in sacks and a million other things uh, going their way. So just lost to, to to a great coach and a great quarterback and sometimes that's going to happen in football
3: i saw a tweet that you retweeted actually that the eagles have played 400 games since uh, the year 2000 among that sample size the defensive performance in the super bowl ranked 391st in epa per drive 395th in success rate there was so much talk about that last call but there was more than uh, that one play
4: wasn't there Absolutely, yeah, and I think um, if you're an Eagles fan, I mean, you're walking away from that. You'd love to see a better performance. It, it, in some ways, it reminded me of Super Bowl Fifty Two when Tom Brady went up and down the field, but they got that one play where they knocked the ball out of his hand, and uh, that swung the game. Just not going to happen. This it didn't happen on Sunday. Um, Mahomes and, and Reed, with two weeks to prepare, just was were ready for everything that Jonathan Gannon and the Eagles had for them.
3: So you guys at the Action Network, you're going three six five. So just because the football season is done, doesn't mean uh, you guys are. Shane is a big big college basketball guy. You haven't missed a beat. You've been laying it down all week. We started to kick the tires on the NCAA Futures. I mean, the tournament's less than a month away uh, right now. Just something to sink our teeth into to have a couple of teams going into the tournament. I was sort of going through process through elimination. It was more teams that I don't think will win than I will win, and I sort of landed on a couple of teams. So I'm just going to throw them at you and give me your quick take, and we'll go team by team as far as some of the favorites are concerned. Houston Cougars, they are the favorites at plus 650. Buying
4: or selling that the Cougars can actually cut down the nets this I think a little bit by default. I certainly think they're the favorite, but I think in this season, I think this year, plus 650 or or any neighborhood around that where you're going to find them is probably not the right number. Um, I I love the way Houston plays; they defend. But as we saw with that Virginia team in the last few years, teams that play that slow and rely on on winning games—you know—in the 50s and um, 60s—that's a pretty high variance way to play. You're you're giving Cinderella a chance to hang around, and um, if a team gets hot they have way more of a chance of winning a game like that than they would against, say, in Alabama who wants to play up and down and has way more possessions to prove that they're the better team. Um, I think Houston, on a per-possession, per-game, per-season basis, is, is the best team in college basketball. But on any given night in, in March, that's, that can be proven wrong. And I think they're giving they're, they're, the way that they play is slowing down the game and giving the other team a chance to get hot and keep it close or potentially knock them off.
3: I agree with you. I, I like this Houston team, and I think they are contenders. But at the same point in time, I've said it's hard to win six games in a row playing like this. And all it takes is one team to get hot. And if you 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 aren't a type of team that can say, you know what? Yeah, we're down by thirteen. We can put fifteen up on the board in the next in the next uh, seven eight minutes. No problem. I'm not sure sure Houston can do that. Purdue are such a um, polarizing team, right? Some people, oh, they suck. Matt Painter is a choker, and they're never going to win. And other people think stylistically they're just a damn good basketball team. Where do you fall in the Purdue uh,
4: category at plus 850? Uh, I, I like Purdue. Um, I worry about having an all freshman backcourt in March. And while I think Zach Eady is the best basketball player in college basketball this year, he's certainly most accomplished this year. Um, I'm a little concerned with him playing six games quickly, um, you know, a Friday to Sunday turnaround especially the way that he plays he's so susceptible to officiating there are some games where he he might go out and score 30 and grab 20 rebounds because the refs let him play but if he moves the wrong way if he's half a step out of of position refs aren't really sure how to how to referee a guy like him his size seven foot four it's almost like when Shaq was back playing in the NBA and some of the other players of, of major stature like that. Um, you know, he, he gets two early fouls and he goes to the bench, and Purdue really has to change the way that they play. And um, then you're really relying on some of the younger guys, as we mentioned, as I, as I mentioned, that freshman backcourt. I think those guys have really bright futures. But am I really going to bet on a team to win the national championship with two freshmen having the ball in their hands most of the game? That's a scary thought.
3: It was a big-time game tonight with Alabama and Tennessee. And the SEC has been a lot of fun uh, this year. But let's talk about Kansas, the defending national champions that, if you, if you if we're looking at the odds here, right, from, like, as you brought up, Shane, all right, Houston plus 650, fine, they could win. But why are they, like, a favorite ahead of everybody else? I would want more value. What I'm getting at is... Pretty nice number for Kansas, and I was talking about this last night. And they were in like they were thirteen to one. I'm seeing eleven to one right now. Is this too big of a number for a team in Kansas to compete anybody in the country? And has the pedigree? We talk about well, everyone's saying, well, the blue chips aren't around this year. Well, Kansas are a pretty big blue chip, and they might beat the a blue chip that wins again. Actually, what do you think of the J It's double digits, bro.
4: Yeah, I, th- I certainly think that's enticing. Um, I think anything over 11-1 you know, to 1 for them is, is, is interesting. Um, the one thing that scares me about this Kansas team is that Bill Self plays that starting five and almost nobody else. Um, they rank 351st in bench minutes this season. I mean, he, he's sticking with his five, and I think there are things to like. could wear that them out
3: by the time it, we it, get to the tournament, huh?
4: Absolutely, especially if you're playing two games in a weekend, foul trouble, somebody rolls an ankle. God forbid, COVID, illness, flu, whatever, Um, or even just um, when you only play five guys, you don't really have that strategic option. Hey, let's get the shooter off the bench in there, or hey, we need another big guy. If you're only really playing those five guys the whole game, you play a new team, you play a team that's not from your conference, they might not have the right matchup. You You look at them against, say, Purdue, their are starting centers, KJ Adams. He's six foot seven. He's gonna have some trouble with Zach Eady, who's seven foot four. Um, or, or you go the other way. Hey, they they have a lot of length on the wings, but they play a team that plays three, four guards. They might have trouble uh, exp- extending out to the perimeter and gu- guarding that team. I do think that they are one of the most talented teams in the co- in the country. I like them at those odds, but that would be the worry. If you're worried about them, uh, almost in the same way we talked about Eady with the referees. Hey, if two Kansas starters get two fouls early. Bill Self is going to, to to put in some guys that don't play that many minutes, and that could scare you a little bit, especially in something like an Elite Eight, a Final Four, a national championship.
3: All right, so a word that you're going to hear over the next couple of weeks, as much as you've heard uh, spy balloons, is sleeper, right? And especially if you talk, uh, uh, you know, if you're talking about sports talk radio, who's the sleeper, who's the sleeper, who's the sleeper, as far as the bracket's concerned. So I'm not going to ask you who the sleeper is from the bracket's concerned, but for for everybody who bets, which is all of us uh, here, Who's a team or two that you don't mind saying, you know what, if I lose, I lose putting this this future in, but I can't pass up this number, right? I mean, is, is it a Texas at 25 to 1? Is it a Marquette at 40 to 1? You know, St. Mary's, is this going to be a wild tournament? You know, I'm thinking of these, some of these Big East teams. You know what I mean? I know they're kind of home dominant, but, you know, Marquette is 40 to 1. Xavier is 45 to 1. ACC, the Miami Hurricanes are 50 to 1. We know Larry Hagg is a great tournament coach. What about these sort of longer shots, mid tier 25s or 50 to 1s?
4: Any schools stand out to you? Yeah, you named two of the ones that I, that I would jump on, which are Xavier and Marquette. But I think those are probably the two best teams in, in the Big East. You know, I'm not necessarily a UConn believer, and I think Creighton has had its up and, ups and downs, and I'm a little curious to see how they look down the stretch. But I think Xavier and Marquette have been the two best teams in the Big East. And if you're talking about a team that's going to go out and potentially win a Big East regular season, compete at Madison Square Garden, and roll into the, in, into the into March Madness um, with those two chips in their bag, I feel pretty good about those teams at 30, like you said, 35, 40, 45 to one. Um, I think Xavier has a lot of veteran talent. I think right now um, they're missing Zach Fremantle. He's, he's their second leading scorer. Um, he should be back in time for the tournament. So they might even, we might even see them lose a game or two here and see their odds bump in, in a better direction for um, But knowing that Fremantle is going to come back, although it could also hurt their seed a loss here or there. But Marquette, um, they, that they're, the top offensive team in the country by offensive efficiency, that's not what you'd expect for a Shaka Smart team. And they also don't have necessarily like a, a, a bucket getter, a guy that they pass the ball to on the wing and watch him go. There are really five or six different guys that they can pass the ball to depending on matchups. Tyler Kola, who's playing the point guard position, um, does a really great job of finding his teammates. they got a couple really nice mobile big men who can, who can beat you off the dribble or down on the post. Um, they got some shooters. I think that Marquette team has answers to a lot of different questions that teams are going to throw at them.
3: Shane McNichol uh, with us. So, Shane, before we get you out of here, I enjoy your Twitter um, account. And, you know, full disclosure, I could not name, if you asked me to name five characters on The Office and you offered me $50,000 right now, I would really just be guessing. And I saw you tweet about people that were annoying talking about The Office as much as they did over the years are now the new Ted Lasso fans. And I got to admit... I have never seen Ted Lasso once. I know what it's about, a soccer coach, Justin Sudeikis, Jason Sudeikis, I know nothing else. Like, it's pretty big, I get it. I, you know, and it goes to show. I always tell people whenever people tell me something, oh, I don't like that show. That band sucks. And I always say, well, they're doing well without you. Ted Lasso's doing well without me watching. Shane.
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, 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 at one point in my life, I really liked both of those shows. But then other people just talk to you so much about about both of them, and they got the T-shirts. It's on it's on their uh, their social media. Blah blah blah. Man, I think sometimes we got to step away, and uh, maybe that's why we watch sports, right? Not everyone at least can scream at each other about sports instead.
3: Shane is uh, Shane is lassoed out uh, all aboard the Shane train. Always a pleasure, uh, Shane. Love catching up with you. Let's do it again uh, when the tournament gets rocking and pick some winners. Always a pleasure, my man. We'll do. I'll see you in Derek, uh, this indoor soccer is a new sport. Could you tell us something about it? Oh, yeah, it's beautiful. It's, it's soccer played indoors, like in a hockey ring. Sort of soccer hockey. <laughs> Boy, that's an interesting combination. Well, what are the rules? I don't know, really.
4: <laughs> I
3: don't care. I see. How does your team look? Uh, mostly Venezuelan. Right. Indoor soccer rocked. This is Sports Rage. I am Renzi, Serious XM Channel One Five Nine, Sports Grid Radio Networks. Uh, we'll get into some soccer actually in a moment uh, here. A lot of stuff coming up. I'm sort of just thinking ahead about events and stuff. I'd like to be everywhere, but you know, I'm on the air all the time, and I'm glad that I am. Right? There'll be time for me to uh, kick back, and at some point in my life, I don't know. I'm not the retiring type. I can see myself dying doing this (laughs) while on the air uh, type of deal. Um, But a lot of stuff coming up. We're talking about the World Baseball Classic. That's going to be super cool. We've got the Copa. When's the Copa? Not this summer, but next summer, which is going to be in North America, which is cool as well. Uh, We're talking about the XFL. Yet... All right, we got the Daytona 500. For those of you tuning in, my bad. We should have been on top of like the you know the 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 the, the Coliseum race and the duels and all this type of stuff. But we will be betting on NASCAR. We do handicap NASCAR, and uh, dare I say, I'm pretty good at handicapping NASCAR. It takes time, though, right? Like there's, it's not NASCAR is not the type of sport that you can casually casually bet. We'll put the work in for you. And we'll get you know expert guests as much as we can to uh, to help us uh, with this. But anybody's tuning into our show over the years knows, you know, we've we've covered NASCAR a lot. Our boy Steve Merrill is is very good with NASCAR. So Steve's a regular on the show. Starting this week, we'll we'll start hitting this. We know it's a Super Bowl and all that, but Daytona Five Hundred and the key you know, one of the keys to NASCAR is knowing how the cars perform on each different track and how the drivers perform, right? And there really is a, there's a rhythm to this, right? You know, like Martin Truex Jr. is a cookie cutter, like he's the cookie cutter king, right? The generic track, the modern generic track, Truex is always right there, right? You got your short track guys, you got your road course guys, you got your plate guys. Uh, Of course, the Daytona 500, even though it's the biggest name race it is like the most random. The thing with they, the, the Daytona, you can take. There's listen. People say, "Oh, plate racing and you know the restrictor stuff." It's it's very, it's very random. It is and it isn't in the sense that there are a handful of guys that are always the same dudes that are in the mix when it comes to the plate racing. But there is all you know. We've we've had the long shots win as well. It's a real equalizer. But I'm already looking ahead here too uh, to Formula One. I saw the um I saw the uh, the Williams car sick looking car man, like real modern just over the top really cool stuff. And I'm like, you know what? Formula One doesn't really have much of an off season. you know, they take a month off type thing. they're testing they're not they're never off. They're always testing something, driving somewhere, doing something, and they're testing they're official testing is next weekend, 23rd to 20, uh, through uh, 20, 25th. The first race of the season is Bahrain, and that's uh, March, through, uh, March 3rd through 5th. So in other words, my sleep schedule is about to get whacked again. I actually specifically got an extra cable box put in to my place because I wanted only, it was basically for F1. You know, F1's always on. It looks like 6 in the morning, 4 in the morning, 7 in the morning, 8 in the morning. On the West Coast, it's horrible. East Coast is good. It's the one time we bite the—you know, it sucks. Like, being an F1 fan on the West Coast is not great for the times. So, you either, you know, you find yourself, Matthias, in that in-between land. You know, like you were sometimes for the World Cup. It's like, well— like, put it this way, like, you know, if you're out on a Saturday night, there, there'd been times where like, I watch F1 is lit, bro. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it'd be like, wow, well, you know what? It's gonna, the race is gonna start at three in the morning, actually. I can deal, or four in the morning, I can deal with this. It's Saturday, I don't have a show until the nighttime. And, you know, next thing I know, man, it's seven in the morning, you know, watching, watching f Or, if you know, you wake up early, some people are, right, you don't do anything, you're taking it easy, you wake up early for the race. But it's not ideal, the F1 start times, but I'm glad F1 is back. Man, we murdered it last year with Red Bull. I really got into a rhythm. It's like any sport, but certain like one of the reasons why NFL football is so popular with betting. There's a couple of reasons, but people wonder, why why is it so popular? You don't have to do a lot of work. You know, if you want to win, you do, but you know what I mean? The casual fan, the casual fan can bet it once a week can listen to the shows, you know, read a couple of things on Saturday and make their picks, right? They know who's playing for who. They know the lay of the land. It doesn't mean they're right. It doesn't mean they're going to win. I'm not saying they're sharps, but I'm saying, right, That it's once a week. You don't have to, you know, be involved every day. You don't have to follow it every day. I guess it's the best way, you don't have to follow it every day. Right? The NFL, all right, you don't have to follow it. It plays Sunday, and there's a game Thursday, Monday, but you don't have to, like – Right? You know, oh, I missed this and that. I didn't know this guy got lit up last night for four. You know, you didn't know that the bullpen went, you know. There's all kinds of stuff in other sports. And it's one of the reasons why football betting is so popular. But as well, it's also uh, why golf betting has become popular. Like, fan DFS golf used to be really big, you know, before betting was big everywhere. Now, you know, golf betting is a big similar situation. It's once a week. You don't have to, like, you know, if you... You, you, if you miss one thing or two things, right, you're you're out. It's not that way. I tell you what though, car racing, baseball is a bitch like that, right? That's why baseball, you know, betting isn't as popular with people. Like you know, hardcore degenerates do it, and we do it and stuff. You know what I mean? Hardcore sports betters do it, but like baseball betting is difficult. If you know, I've always said it. it's like you know, it's like a soap opera, right? you can't just like watch on monday and then jump back in on thursday and then jump back in on monday again and you know you're never gonna you're gonna be like oh i didn't know they broke up you know what she's dying right like all that stuff like you're gonna be like i I didn't see that episode right and it's you know you get thrown off you know you're thrown for a loop and or one of these new netflix shows it's like missing you know what i mean I don't watch Stranger Things, but you miss three episodes and then you jump back in. You're going to be like, I don't know what the hell's going on anymore, right? Like, you know, you got to watch the series, right? you got to know the flow of the show, the characters. And Formula One is the same thing. So that's why I like this. Same with NASCAR, right? And same thing with, like, some of these other leagues. Like, if I'm in from day one, I can pull this off and it's like, yeah, yeah. I don't like jumping in mid-season on things or like, oh, I'm a bandwagonist you know, and this and that. So boom, we're gonna be in. We got NASCAR this week, They Daytona the 500, but we're gonna be all in on uh, on the Formula One, and this stuff starts uh, soon. So we're, we're, we're three weeks away, three weeks away from the start of a uh, Formula One. Man, we got a lot of cool events coming up. So they go Middle East, Bahrain, Saudi Arabia, then they're in the land down under, Australia, Azerbaijan. Uh, the first United States race is what I wanted to get to. So the first American race is uh May 5th through seventh uh, the Miami Grand Prix which was a massive success last year. So the first North American race is in Miami May 5 through seven. Then they go back to Europe, Italia oh and then Monaco the, the sexy one. I want to go to the Monaco one uh Spain. then they go to uh Montreal. And I'm going to go to the Montreal race uh, this year. I've covered it many times. I've been there many times. I've walked this track uh, many times. I've left this track uh, and taken it on a taxi out of the casino many times. There's a casino there. And it's like, when well, the track, they close it. But like, basically, like, you're on the track. But um, yeah, I'm a big F1 fan. And I like to bet on it. And there's nothing like an F1 race in person. Uh, you know, we've been talking about. I don't get out enough. You know, we're always doing the shows and stuff. And we're, you know, I don't like missing shows. So um, I figure I will miss shows when I'm dead or when I retire, or whatever. You know, I, I like doing shows. But at the same point in time, you got to live a little bit. So you know, like I said, we're going to the Raptor. Uh, we're going to the Raptor, Raptor Laker game in a couple of weeks. We've already got tickets for the Yankees, Dodgers. Uh, in June, and uh, this is locked in, locked in. I'm looking at hotel rooms in Montreal. Dear God, it's a thousand a night, basically. A thousand a night and up. I wanted to stay for like five nights. So I looked, the total price at five thousand dollars. I'm like, man, who do I look like? Pat McAfee. Um, little pricey, little pricey. All right, so I want to get to this as well. Uh, The United States men's soccer team. The coaching search continues. And it's pretty clear they're looking for a a big name. And not just, you know, any name, but a big name. They want to make a splash. And, you know, Jose Marino's name is, is pretty much the biggest one that has been bandied about. There have been others. Uh, th- there was no secret in soccer in soccer circles um that the United States soccer program wanted uh Zidane, Zidane. they were hoping that Zinedine Zidane would want the job he does not and not only did he, he didn't he didn't even want to meet them he said thank you but thanks but no thanks uh Pep uh, Guardiola have has been connected uh, his name's been thrown out there uh, Jose Marino's name. Jose Marino wants the job, would probably take the job if offered. But we have a new name that has been bandied about, but it's by him. And this is Terry Henri. Terry Henri is uh, covering the, uh, the Champions League for CBS Sports. Uh, Terry Henry, uh when discussing the, uh, the United States uh, men's national team. Said, would I put my name in the hat first and foremost? That's a tricky one to talk about. Roberto Martinez went to Portugal, and I'm not going with him. Being a number two is no longer something I would like to do. Of course, um, Terry Henry was an assistant with Belgium in the past World Cup, despite the fact that he's uh, he's from France. So Terry Henry played with the New York Red Bulls, obviously an Arsenal legend, French legend, you know, champion and all that. Um, he was the he played for the Red Bulls, but he was also the coach at the Montreal Impact um, for three seasons, uh, as well. So um, he says, "Do I know the American players? Yes, I know the players. Do I know the league? Yes, I know the league. It's a different ball game to talk about it now like that. But I would want to be a would I want to be a manager at any level? Yes, of course. That's something I want to do." But to go back to the U.S. national team and the U.S. in general, what's the plan? What's their philosophy? What do you want to be? It's not because just you're hosting a competition. It is no guarantee that you are going to go far. Matthias, do you want Terry Henry? We'll get your thoughts on the other side. I love Terry Henry, but I don't think Terry Henry is ready for this stage. Being the coach at a Montreal Impact for three years doesn't get you ready for the World Cup, bro. Let's be real.
2: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
3: Oh, yeah, this is more All right, Matthias, we've only got a couple of minutes uh, here. What do you think about Terry Henry? As I stated, I'm a big Terry Henry fan. He's a great player, one of the best strikers of all time, a uh, World Cup champion. uh, He's won championships at every level as a player. So And he's also put work in as a coach. I understand that, right? As we stated, he was just the assistant with Belgium. He was the head coach in Montreal for uh, two, two and two and a half, three seasons. It was a pandemic, so it was kind of strange and stuff. But, dude, the World Cup, this is the biggest stage. Like, you know, tact- tactfully, they're looking for a more experienced guy, in my opinion. You want Terry Henry as the head coach and manager?
6: Absolutely not, Gabe. I do not want Thierry Henry as, a, as the coach of the United States men's national team. Uh, Jesse March just got fired from Leeds United in the Premier League. I have a good feeling that he's going to be offered the job if he says yes to all the questions that the U.S. men's national team asks him to do. If he, If there's any bumps on the road... Uh, <laughs> they're probably not going to go with him, and they're going to go with somebody like Jim Curtin, you know, the Philadelphia Union uh, head coach that took them all the way to the finals last year. You know, you know that they love their MLS coaches, and uh, you know the U.S. Men's National Team loves uh, their MLS coaches, Gabe. So it wouldn't surprise me if they make another bad decision and they go with Jim Curtin. No, no offense against Jim Curtin, but you know he's not the type of guy that the U.S. needs.
3: No, I think they—they, they, they, I think they're swinging for defenses, Matthias. I think they're. I think they're going to swing for the fences. They wanted to meet with the Dan. That didn't work. So Terry re throws his name out there. I, yeah, you could be right. I don't see them hiring Jose Marino. I will hit this and more. XFL. XFL. Uh, we put five hundred dollars money line. Arlington Renegades. Other night you're on your own. Later.